Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Gift from Adversity. Today, I have an exciting guest. Her name is Jackie Neyman Jones, and she's from Western part of Oregon. So before I introduce her to our show, I want to introduce my book. It's called A Gift from Adversity, same title as my podcast. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. And these are the adversities that I experienced when I was growing up in Japan. And my book actually starts with a scene where I was in Dead Sea in Israel. And it jumps to where I got Heroes Among Us from Boston Celtics. If you're interested in, it's available on Amazon, a gift from adversity. Hmm. So let's invite our guest. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So Jackie, please tell our audience who you are and what you do. Um, my name is Jackie Neiman Jones, and uh, I'm I'm uh, I do many things. I'm an artist. Uh, I'm an author. I'm an actress. I basically anything. Somebody suggests something, and I say, "Well, that's a good idea." But I started like four businesses in my life. I raised my children as a single mother and, and I did every one of those businesses. I started from nothing other than an idea and a belief in myself. And when I look back, I wonder how the heck I ever did that. But uh, I'm also, um, I'm known as a pop culture icon for people who are interested in uh, the show Mystery Science Theater, as a child, I was, um, my dad was an actor and I was invited to be part of a film that was an independent film made in 1966 in El Paso, Texas, when nobody was making films. And it uh, eventually, it became famous and it's still famous as one of the worst movies ever made. It's been written up. So I, I've been in the worst movie ever made and um, it suits me. I'm an artist, so it suits me <laughs> very well. Well, Jackie, uh, what is your website or social media handle? Uh, we just started a new fan page for me on Facebook to collaborate all the things that I do. And that's uh, Jackie, J-A-C-K-E-Y, Naaman, N-E-Y-M-A-N, Jones, and uh, fan page on uh, Facebook. And... Um, I have an Etsy store. Uh, I'll need to send you links for that. But I would say right now I'm getting ready to start 
a series of um, online painting classes. And uh, that's at Jackie, J-A-C-K-E-Y dot dumb, D-U-M-B dash industries dot com. Well, thank you for sharing that. So Jackie, I really appreciate you coming to my show tonight. And let's dive into our main topic, which is a gift from adversity. Let's start from adversity. Can you share our ODS? What was your adversity? Mm. Well, it started in childhood. Um, my father was very, um, he was an artist. He, he was very creative and very sensitive and, um, we lived in Fort Worth, Texas, where he was went to college to become a minister, a Christian minister. And then we moved to El Paso when he became disillusioned by the church. And so we started over and I was only four years old, but it took a few years for me to understand the depths of my debt, my father's um, depression and uh, and the type of spirit that he had. And so during that time, I just adored my father. I'm so much like him. I'm an artist. He could create something from anything. And uh, we would go find things like old buildings and he would take the wood and build something new like furniture and i i do that same kind of art now in my life uh oh in fact this behind me is one of my pieces it's an it's a hundred year old window frame that was going to be burned up and i rescued it and then i i put these words of inspiration on them so that's the kind of uh, work that I do. But um, so my father was depressed and he was suicidal. And then when my parents divorced, uh, I became very aware as like a 13 year old of my father's suicidal tendencies. So I decided at that age that I couldn't live without him and I decided I, if he succeeded, I was going to go to. I made plans for myself. And um, he eventually, he got past that through some very strange circumstances. And he remarried and found somebody that, that gave him a reason to live. But then she decided because she had her own issues she decided that i wasn't welcome in the family so my father and i were separated after that for like 19 years but through all that time i was raising my children and building my business and and um just moving forward and then this movie that i was in as a child that uh, my father and I were both in, it had disappeared for like 27 years. It was made in 1966. And then it was so bad, it just literally it disappeared. And then 
this show called Mystery Science Theater founded and they put it on their show and it became an instant hit. And that was in 1993. And since then, this movie ha is a cult classic for being known as the worst movie ever made. It's called Manos, The Hands of Fate. My dad not only starred in it, but he did all the sets, the props. My mother made the costumes. And, um, and because of that movie, my father and I were able to come back together. And I think one of the reasons that that film is so popular now and that I'm so involved is because it was my opportunity to, to heal our relationship. And so uh, through all these years, my dad and I were able to do a lot of things together. And uh, it was amazing. He died just uh, five years ago, but there's been a lot of healing. And I there's still a lot of healing to go. But uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I've been given in my life to come from a place where I didn't even want to be on this planet, you know? Well, Jackie, thank you so much for sharing that. And I just want to dive in a little bit deeper about um, the adversity part of it. And I had some um, several guests who uh, whose parents were mentally um, not stable. And yeah. that we affected, I had a several guests who talked about that. Okay. As a child, seeing that instability and then mental health issues that was never really talked about, especially back in the days. Like, how did you deal with that growing up, seeing that side of human being? Well... When my parents divorced, they divorced in 1971. So I was like 12 years old and, uh, and I was aware that my father was suicidal. He'd already attempted suicide a couple of times. And my mother in her, um, you know, in the difficulties of going through all of that, she had nobody to talk to. And a couple of times she used me as her sounding board as a child who really adored my father. And that's when I started making plans for myself quietly. I didn't tell anybody, but also we were living in El Paso, Texas, and we were the only non-Hispanic family in the whole, not only the neighborhood, but pretty much my school. So I was already feeling isolated. Uh, you know, I was kind of bullied and I had some friends, but not very many. And so I was alone. And uh, so when my parents divorced, my father moved to Southern California for a job. And I remember my, at that point, yeah, I remember I made sure everybody else was taken care of first. My mother had met a very nice man 
and they were getting married. And my little sister, who is just, uh, she was eight years younger than me. So she was like four or five years old at the time. And I knew that she was taken care of. And when my dad moved, I just told my mother that I was leaving. I was going. I, I didn't give anybody a choice. So my father had to drive from Southern California to Texas to get me because I wasn't giving anybody a choice. And so I went to live with my dad and I started high school in California and he was still very depressed and I knew it. And I just remember making friends and going to school, but always keeping an eye on him making sure he was okay. And then uh, when I was a uh, junior in high school, I was 16. One night he came to my room, to my door, and he asked me to call 911. He had swallowed an entire bottle of Valium and started throwing up blood and changed his mind at the last minute. So I... It was like two o'clock in the morning. So I did. I called the ambulance and they came and they got them. But in, in all the excitement and everything, they left me behind. I mean, I didn't get to go and I didn't have a driver's license yet. So I was left at the apartment and uh, I called some friends and they took me. And then I knew that... If I told anybody, like adults at the school or my mother in Texas, that they would do something, they would take me away and I wasn't going to leave. So I kept it a secret and I went to school and friends gave me a ride and everything. But my dad, he, uh, after that attempt, he he put himself into the mental hospital for two weeks. So I was on my own for two weeks at 16. Yeah, 16. And uh, yeah, I just took care of myself. I made sure I went to school every day so that I didn't draw attention. And uh yeah, we got away with it. <laughs> and then he came home and then he found this woman who is also suicidal. I mean, that's what drew them together. <laughs> that's a weird story. Okay, I'm going to tell that story because that's really the weirdest story here. <clears throat> we lived in a, a fourplex, you know, four apartments. And we lived in one and my father noticed this woman that lived in the apartment next to us and and he kind of had a crush on her but he didn't do anything about it and then he was in the hospital for two weeks he came home and about two weeks after that she decided to commit suicide i mean they didn't know each other at all at that point excuse me so she went into her bathroom with 
her ex-husband's gun and intending to kill herself. And she um, was shaking so bad when she pulled the trigger, she missed. And the bullet went through her bathroom wall and lodged in our bathroom wall. And that's how they met. And they ended up with a 40-year marriage. She saved him. He saved her. But at some point in there, she wasn't comfortable having me around. You know, I mean, she had her insecurities and my relationship with him. She she wasn't comfortable with, you know, how, how tight we were. And then they had their child and... So I have a half-sister who's 19 years younger than me. But uh, this movie, this crazy movie, was after all the, all those years, for some reason, and I don't know why other than maybe because she knew it was so important to him, that that was the only acceptable way for us to be together and come together. So if it had to do with the movie, she would let us get together. So, so I really promoted it and I made a lot of opportunities for us. And since then, I mean, I wrote a book. Oh, here, here's my book. It's called, um, the, the movie is Manos, the Hands of Feet. My book is called Growing Up, with Manos, The Hands of Fate, How I Was the Child Star of the Worst Movie Ever Made and Lived to Tell the Story. Wow. There's so much healing that happened through all of this. If it weren't for this... So people ask me, they say, why do you have such a great sense of humor? Why are you so open about talking about this movie that's taught in film schools is everything not to do in filmmaking, for instance. And I say, well, for one thing, I was six years old. I'm not responsible. <laughs> but for the other thing, it's, um, it gave my father an opportunity, many opportunities that we never would have had otherwise for healing. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for diving into that. Now, let's move on to the second question, which is the tools that you use to overcome this adversity that you faced. So I like this part of the question because every guest that we had, everyone had completely different answers. And I learned so much from people's ways to cope and what I don't like about is a lot of people like no obviously very nice life fortunate life never understand what the adversity is like my case is child sex abuse my dad domestic violence bullying and homelessness at 18 Mm. like people will say oh just go see a therapist but I respect therapists, but at the same time, I can smell that they didn't understand mm-hmm. like my adversity, the level of the trauma. They probably read a lot of 
books. In fact, I had one therapist from post like six years that um, she actually moved to Oregon and from Massachusetts. Shout out to Amanda. So Amanda first session told me that she became therapist not only because she read a ton of books, but also she is a victim of the sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I started to open up to her. Now, what I really like about this is because people who come on my show went through really severe trauma and adversity that when you state those things about what had happened to you, these are the words, but it's really quite like um, great event that people don't grasp the depth of impact that had made in your life. Yes. So I am sure that you had many tools that you tried, but what are some of the tools that you used and then what is maybe top three that worked for you? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of tools. I'm, I'm almost uh, 63 years old and there's a lot of things I wish I'd learned earlier, but I understand that... Um, things happen in their own time. And, and uh, one of the things, one of the important things is understanding that I have mood swings, that I have highs and then I have lows. And when I'm on those lows, sometimes I don't really care if I'm here or not. And the only thing sometimes that keeps me here is my family. I mean, I've got two sons and two daughter-in-laws and four grandchildren now. And we all live in the same property. And that's really, really good for me. But um, I would say, gosh, I mean, with COVID, that's probably been the most healing time maybe in my whole life because uh, I've had to deal with those those mood swings and the isolation that so many people have had to deal with. And um, I've learned to be kind to myself. I mean, in the last year, I've really come to the place where I realize all the stress over all the years builds, you know, and and you may not see it physically until later, but I have so much more I want to do in life. Uh, I got so many plans and I'm like embarking on a whole new level with my art and with film. I have so much to do, but in this last year in April, I had some kind of episode. I was visiting my sister in Washington and uh, next thing I knew I was in the emergency room and they never, they didn't really know what it was. I mean, they did a lot of scans. I went to neurologists and all they could say was maybe a silent seizure. 
So I was very careful. I didn't drive for a few months because I have family and friends that'll get me where I need to go and I don't need to go that many places. I have my studio within walking distance of my home. Thank God. And uh, so six months to the day, October 4th, I had a car accident out of nowhere i i totaled my beautiful car and i broke some bones and uh i had three uh grand mal seizures that day out of nowhere and that was in october so now you know so i went through a a lot of health stuff, a lot of uh, exhaustion and pain and, and coming and thinking that was I ever going to get past this? Was I ever going to be okay? I lost so much memory. That was the scary part. It's losing so much of history and memory. And... Uh, I don't know. I just, okay. So I guess the biggest thing I learned was to allow other people to help me. That's it. Because I think people that have come through dark times like that abuse and neglect that, um, they become very self-sufficient. You know, you get strong. You just take care of yourself. You, you learn how to do that. And then no matter how many people love you, sometimes you don't feel worthy enough. But the other thing is that, uh, yeah, you don't feel worthy to ask for help. But when I'm just finally at a place where I'm opening, I'm changing my perspective. That's been... My word of the, the year was uh, last year. My word was shift. This year, my word is perspective, which is basically the same thing, but in different. So just stepping to one side when I get stuck, I just think about. It's all about perspective. I mean, you can, you can do anything you want if you believe it. I mean, I look at the world, I look at history, I look at people who do things that I would never be interested in doing, but if that's what you want. So anyway, at this point, after the health things and everything, I've uh, I've been opening up to asking for help. And I'll tell you, the last couple of months have been magic. I mean, things are just magic right now. And I have no illusion that they're always going to be that way because difficulties happen for a reason as well. You you can't move forward. You can't learn if you don't. I, I mean, you know, otherwise, as humans, I think we just get kind of lazy. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you you would say the tools is one of the tools that you used is to ask help yes. reach out to people and have perspective 
perspective to if you can ever step outside of yourself and even for a moment just see yourself the way other people see you that's you know the people who care about you the people you know we live in difficult times i feel older and older every day we live in these times where there's so much social media and there's people that can hide behind their keyboards and just spout out whatever they want. So we have to find our, our shields or, you know, we have to learn not to, not to care what some people think. Cause it really doesn't matter. They don't know you. They know nothing about you, but for the people who love you, just try to see yourself through their eyes. Yes, I like that a lot. And as a survivor myself of child sex abuse and all these adversities, I learned that asking help is very, very tough mm. because it means that you show your weakness and it means that you show your vulnerability and it means that somebody may judge you. Oh, oh yeah, true. Yeah. How I discovered was very interesting, Jackie. So I was interviewed by a Japanese reality show where they followed me 10 days and made this um, life story out of me. They came all the way from Japan and they were following me 10 days at a microphone and cameraman follow me. Now, towards the end of the process, I had this long interview and then one of the questions the director asked me triggered me so deeply to the point that I started to burst into tears and because I had no idea why. He basically asked, at some point, why did you start to thrive so much? And I remember specific teachers visit. So in Japan, like back in the days, teacher come, teachers come to your house to do a conference instead of at school the parents come to the school oh okay so visit you like each house in your own environment you kind of see i guess you know oh. so but anyways when she came yeah. when she came she told me that this is when i was sec second grade oh no no first grade first grade and then my mother had left us because of the domestic violence that was going on between my dad and mom and then um i didn't want that to be seen from other students i was like seven and teacher told me i started to change and i was so embarrassed that she saw me going through something then that's when I decided I would never want anyone to know my business and I would put like social mask and I'd never ask for help. And that's when I started to thrive more that nobody would suspect that something is wrong. And that was when I was seven. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> my one of my grandchildren my grandson is seven and uh 
he has a lot of trouble in school. I mean, he acts out a lot and, um, you know, I mean, his, his mom and dad, my son and daughter-in-law, they're, they're, you know, such a loving family, but, but I can see some of the things that is, is causing some of these issues with him. And, um, I'm just so grateful that <clears throat> the school that he goes to, uh, it's the same school my kids went to. And we live in a very small town where the teachers know the kids individually and their families. And it, it really helps. I mean, we're looking at doing a, a conference, but bringing everybody in, the grandparents and the aunt and uncles and you know, to really have the whole family working for this child. And, uh, but seven-year-olds, that's how old I was when I was in this movie. And I, I wrote this book from memories and, and uh, it's shaped my life. And in so many ways, seven-year-olds are so smart. I mean, they're quiet, but they can, I, not always, but but the quiet ones, they're like picking up everything. Well, thank you, Jackie, for sharing the tools. Um, and I think a lot of times people do not talk about the mental health issues, especially, you know, back in the days. Nowadays, especially after the COVID, mental health is becoming popular, like hashtag and tools that are available to us but we were never understood PTSD, depression, never conversed and then never had understanding of why these issues happen. We just stick with it, right? Yeah, we're learning so much more now. I mean, I, I you know, at my age, <clears throat> my, the friends I went to high school with were being, um, they were going to Vietnam. You know, I mean, it was, you know, peace protests. And like today, I mean, there's a lot of that. But my friends were being drafted and giving no choice at all. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Awareness for mental health is really, really important. Absolutely. So. Jackie, um, speaking of mental health, is there anything that you are using currently to cope with the mental health of mood swing? I know you said you asked for help or perspective. Is there any breathing, any yoga, something that you are using to heal yourself? Uh, that's interesting. This, um, this community I live in, we have a new organization. This the building that I'm in, this room is was the old <clears throat> health clinic. This building was built in 1910, and it was the health clinic. And I used to bring my kids here when they were children. And now it's uh it's for the community, and I have my art studio here, but we're looking at having and I'm a very big advocate of this. Uh, we hope to have some yoga classes and meditation classes going here for the community. Um, very much looking forward to that. I've 
been talking to a therapist for a couple of years, and she's really the one that helped me understand my patterns, my mood patterns. Uh, it, it took about six or eight months before she even revealed to me that she'd been keeping notes <laughs> and that she was noticing a pattern. And when she said that, I started paying more attention to that. And so what I do, because now I know that, when I'm on the downside, I give myself more love. I give myself more, um, I, I, I allow that. I don't beat myself up over it. And then when I'm on the upswing, I just accomplish as much as I can. But my goal always, no matter what, is whether I'm up here or I'm down there, I just want to move forward a little bit every day. You know? One of my friends who's watching our live said, uh, being vulnerable is a strength. It is. That's true. Your friend is, that's really true. Yes. <laughs> So Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight. I would like to ask you the last question, which also is one of my favorite parts of the show. So what was the gift that came from these adversities? Hmm. The gift is that I just, uh, I'm appreciating this life more and more. You know, I used to think that, I mean, and I still, I'm not afraid to leave this place. I feel very strong that there's a beautiful next place that we're going. But, uh, but now I really, I just want to be present. Yeah, being present, that's the gift. Well, thank you so much for your beautiful answer. And I would like to uh, give you the last word to our audience before we close the show. So can you give our audience your last word? <laughs> One word? <laughs> last message from okay. you. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. Um, Kai, I, I love quotes. So uh, magic happens. That's a good one. How do you describe that? That if you just, if you're able to open yourself up to stepping outside of your limited way of thinking, that uh, it's like magic. Just when you become aware, it's like magic. Like when I go for a walk, <clears throat> I'm always observant. And I now I have this little bowl of little treasures that I find little tiny things like a little peace sign or a piece of jewelry or I, I just... And they have themes, I find, which is very interesting, like trees, for instance, uh, an earring, or 
I just find that that things I as an artist, I'm very into symbolism and uh, I find things that um, support where wherever it is I am at that time, but in a in the positive ways, I, I find things that lead me towards the positive things, but you can't do that if you're not present. Great. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much um, again, Jackie, for spending the time on a podcast I get from university. I know this is not easy topic yeah. to open up and talk to a podcast host. Uh, <laughs> but I really appreciate you sharing your story with our audience. Thank you so much, Jerry. I um this was a different kind of podcast for me, but I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching A Gift from Adversity. We have great guests coming up this week and also a month of May as well. So stay tuned and see you next time.